Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad here chatting with Brian Lenny, founder and editor of the Junior Stock Review, which I will post a link to below. Now, Brian, let's recap some of the talking points that you had at the recent Metals Investor Forum in Vancouver. Happened a few weeks ago, tied into that whole week of different investment conferences focused on the resource sector. Unfortunately, we didn't see a whole lot of positive moves in the stocks in the sector after those conferences, but there were some very good talks out there. And some of the talks that you have, I always uh, pay closer attention to. What you were talking about at the Metals Investor Forum was the good and bad of bull markets. I know it may feel weird talking about bull markets right now as stocks continue to struggle, but we've had different resource bull markets over the last few years. Right now, uranium continues to run. Lithium was a year or two ago. Nickel did well for a little while. There's also zinc that shot up at one point. Break down some of the good, most of the good, actually, that can come out of bull markets for investors. Well, thanks for having me, Corey. Bull markets, they are 95% of the time good a good thing. It's what we're all here to do is make money. And uh, of course, that's what attracts all the attention. Um, I think the, the reason why I started talking about this topic in particular is I review my performance each year at the end of the year and see how I did, the good and the bad. And uh, usually it's the bad stuff that kind of stands out and the stuff I spend the most time thinking about. And uh, I went through some of the losses I had to take in Q1 last year. And to me, it was the result of some hangover from previous bull markets, companies that I think I was over optimistic about and didn't end up selling completely or maybe taking enough profits from. And I think that's where that downside of a bull market can come is when you get over over optimistic or greedy and uh, you don't sell on that way up because you think it's going to continue forever. Um, so, you know, when you're in the midst of, of those bull markets, like the nickel market, for instance, is something I was watching really closely. And, you know, you had a lot of things that were that were leading into the nickel price going up. You had restricted production out of Indonesia. Um, you had, of course, you know, Biden gets in and this electrification of the world narrative gets started and is really um, taking on a life of its own. And nickels, I think, was basically one of the first ones to take off, I guess, for obvious reasons. And then you have the Russian uh, Ukraine conflict, and then you have a real spike in the nickel price. And of course, all the nickel equities kind of go with it. And, you know, from there, you know, you get you get caught in that euphoria and you look forward, and you, you, especially when it comes to electrification, you think to yourself, oh, man, the demand is going to be through the roof. You know, there's hardly any new nickel projects out, out there. Um, and the ones that are there, you know, they're, they're held by some juniors that have, you know, microscopic market caps. And so you can see you can see uh, the value proposition um, and you think, oh, man, this is going to be for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, but it's not. And it really never is. And uh, the point is, is that the share price goes up, the, the underlying metal price goes up and uh, you do have to understand when you need to sell and take those profits. It doesn't mean you get rid of the position necessarily completely, um, but to know that these things always have a, a way of correcting themselves. And it's been that way throughout the history of the stock market and it continued to be that way. I'll talk about uranium. You know, uranium is in the midst of a bull market. I'm not saying it's it's going to be over anytime soon. But as an investor, you have to take those profits out and you have to redistribute them um, into stuff that's unloved. And uh, and probably for a lot of people, actually, you should be putting it into real things, you know, further educating yourself, 
buying that car that you need or whatever else your family needs that is real. And, and so that was the main point was, was taking advantage of those bull markets when they're there and uh, knowing that you have to sell at some point. Brian, I find this topic to be so interesting because a lot of times people will spend all this time doing due diligence on a particular sector or commodity or even the stocks within that field, and they'll get everything right. They'll have been right to have bought low. They'll have been right to have the thesis of the mega trend playing out, and then everything plays out, and they forget to pull the profits when the when the getting's good, when the sun is shining, and they don't buy that car. They don't buy their kids' college education. They, they don't do things at the top of the market and they write it right back down and do the proverbial round trip. So what do you do as an investor when you're looking at these cycles play out to keep yourself from getting sucked into the narrative and knowing to be disciplined and prudent in how you exit positions? Oh, I think first off, I still you know, fall for that mistake myself. As I said, like looking back on some of the mistakes I made in prior years, it was just that, you know, hindsight's always 2020, but I can attest that I can be better. Second to that, I think I do do a few things that have made me probably better than the average investor out there. And I think one of the things, and it just so happens because I write a newsletter, I have to write down everything that I do. And I have to justify it not only to myself, but I also have to say to my readers, hey, this is why I'm buying this company. And when you put things into words and you have to try to put together uh, your reasoning for why a company is undervalued and why the share price is going to go up and what sort of timeline it's going to take to make it go up, I think you really crystallize the exact investment thesis. And when you're following that company's news flow, you can follow along and it should sort of fit into what you thought the company was going to do or not. And the market doesn't always coincide with, with good work. You know, we've seen the last two years where a lot of precious metals companies have done good things, uh, yet their share price don't reflect it. And so in those instances, I think that that is absolute opportunity. You know, your investment thesis is, is basically correct. You know, a resource is being increased or metallurgical results have been improved everything that's leading to a, probably a higher MPV for that project, um, but the underlying metal price isn't cooperating. And so metal price, I think for most companies and most markets out there, these things do turn from, the, from bad to good and good to bad. And so th to me, those are opportunities to buy. And the precious metals market is probably the best example of that right now, where again, the companies <laughs> that have done good work, yet their, their share prices don't reflect it. Um, and especially now because the, the gold price and the silver price to a lesser extent are at near or at, at all time highs. And really that, that discrepancy is where the opportunity is. Um, so yeah, like that's, that's the basis I think for, for looking at these different markets and, and being able to sell when the time is right. And your analysis by writing things down and saying, this is what needs to happen to, for the share price to go up. And when it does go up, that's when you take advantage and you start peeling money off the table. So I, that's something that everybody can copy. You can write down your ideas. You can write down exactly how you think it's going to work out. Again, you're not going to be perfect at it, but having a plan and having a sort of timeline to how things should work should allow you to follow the stock, take money off the table as it's, as it's given to you and redeploy into other ideas. So there are a lot of different resource sectors out there. Since we are focused more on resource sectors, there are a lot of different metals with a number of different stocks that people can invest in. And unfortunately, right now, there's a number of 
these stocks in different resources that are fairly depressed, whether you call it cheap or undervalued, does that mean you, in a way, spread out your bets to try to catch the next bull market in whatever metal it might be? Or are you more focused in certain metals because you think those will be the next ones to go through a bull market? Uh, I'll be the first to admit that I don't put much stock into my ability to predict where metal prices are headed. Therefore, I think most of what I do is try to spread my my money around into good opportunities, act like basically no matter what the metal is. And if you look at my portfolio, there's probably five major metals that are four or five major metals or oil and gas that's represented. And those are just undervalued opportunities. And, and I don't necessarily expect the metal price to cooperate. Um, but as I said, you know, these markets, you know, the supply and demand, eventually these things come around. And that's sort of what I rely on. Now, the other side to that is I do have my own hunches. When you see stuff that's going on in the world, the amount of debt, the amount of chaos, you see the gold price sort of reflecting the the risk in the financial system um, and you see that the equities haven't responded to me I, I see those that as an opportunity and and I think it's probably the next one to be closed or to be realized but you know you look at this week with with inflation and you know that 0.1 percent that the market was off and you know they, they, it was higher than they expected and core inflation is is now a concern and the fed pivot blah 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 Again, you just you can't predict when these things are going to turn. But I think when you find these right opportunities, particularly precious metals right now, I, I think that the writing's on the wall that that we've got to be at that bottom. The people that are buying gold stocks and silver stocks at this point, to me, have to be relatively strong hands because just look at how beaten down everybody is and negative. Um, so while things can definitely go lower without question, to me, anyways, I think we're we're at that bottom. It's just a matter of time before it changes. Although, you know, with monetary policy seemingly being the, the number one driver, who knows if or when the Fed's actually going to to do anything. Well, Brian, I want to get your thoughts on the cyclicality of being in the commodity sector and resource stocks in the first place. I think a huge error in judgment that a lot of investors make is they apply Wall Street ideas to the commodity sector that you can buy and hold and sit in these things for years or even decades. There's people that have been in some of the majors, whether it's gold or silver or polymetallic companies for decades. And they're like, oh, these things haven't done much. But the commodity sector, I've always said it's like a game of whack-a-mole. You know, one will pop up. Rare earths are big and then they're back down again. And then palladium is big and then it's back down again. We saw that with lithium. We saw that we're seeing that with uranium right now with gold and silver, or I'm going to throw copper in here. They're a situation where they will eventually pop their head up, but they're not something that you want to just camp out in for years and years and years. So how do you navigate when a cycle is is on? And what, like if gold and silver do turn on, what will you be looking for as far as when you've seen like, OK, now we've seen the valuations get revalued. Everybody's always talking about revaluing. When, when will you know it's been revalued and how will that help you navigate that cycle? Uh, it's a great question, Chad. It's probably the question, the more I think about it. Um, timing is, is so important. I, I think it's a combination of basically everything that you listed. Um, and it's how you put together all those different points or those factors, whether it's the metal price, the underlying catalyst for the company, 
sort of the attraction of the metal in the narrative that's sort of out there. It's sort of a combination of all those things and how you put it together as an investor that I think matters and and dictates when you're going to take a position. And I think, unfortunately, I think for most of us, we're going to be wrong probably more than we're right. But when you're right, you definitely have to be right and you have to be able to take those profits. Um, I, I go through examples like you look at maybe a company like Solaris. So I, I'm an owner of Solaris. I decided to take that position just over a year ago. Their share price was beaten down, but it, it's a pretty well understood project in terms of probably around what its size is going to be. We obviously know where it's located. We certainly know who the people are that are driving it. So to me, like I debated like all oh, the copper market. Well, the copper is obviously going to be a big part of the electrification of the world, infrastructure wise, EV wise, like it's, it's going to, especially the developing world, copper is going to be big. Does the copper price necessarily have to go up right now? Well, I'm, you know, I'm told, I'm really not sure. Like the, the recession could be on the horizon, which could be a negative to, to copper. But on the other hand, you've also got stuff like Cobra Panama that pops up out of nowhere and you lose a percent and a half of the supply of world production. And that certainly doesn't get replaced overnight. So you've got a lot of things. And in terms of the copper price, I like I actually was in my metals investors presentation is like I said, copper might be right around when gold goes, but maybe. And because there's those points, it's, it's just so complex. But with Solaris in particular, for me, it was like, you know what, you've got a top tier management team. You've got a guy, Richard Work, that's got a history of taking these these uh, good projects, basically develop them up to the point where they're sold. And he's got you know a long list of companies that he's sold for good prices. You've got a, in terms of size, I would say it's, it's world-class size, maybe not necessarily world-class grade. Um, it's definitely more on the copper side, so more base metal than, than, than precious metal focus in terms of the porphyry. And from what I had heard from different people in Ecuador, there was definitely a lot of interest from the majors in Waruinsa. So the confluence of all those things, I said to myself, you know what, the, the share price seems beaten down. People were worried about these warrants at the beginning of, or beginning of last year. Uh, the share price was, was beaten down. Work was, was exercising his warrants and there was at a premium to market. And uh, I thought to myself, you know what, they've got some expiration drilling going on. I think that the catalysts are there, that this share price um, can go up in the interim and or in the short term. And uh, we might even hit some copper price spike and maybe maybe this thing can go. So I decided to take the position. Now, so far, I've been wrong. <laughs> but what I would say is you, I, I really don't know if you can ever get the timing exactly perfect. And like I said, I think you're probably going to be wrong more often than you're right in terms of when you're buying these different companies and when you might see the spike, despite the, the flip side is if you want to take more risk because expiration can pop whenever. Um, but if you're going to play the developer or producer side of the game, again, I don't think you can necessarily time it perfectly. And you got to count on those other catalysts and how they flow in with the rest of the story. And hopefully you get it right. And then when you do that, you're able to capitalize on it, sort of what we've been talking about earlier in the conversation. Yeah. And that's the most important thing, right? When you do have a narrative and even if it doesn't work initially, if that narrative does not change, and if you do start to see some gains, it's never a bad thing to start taking some gains. There are two sides to that thought, though. Let your winners run. 
but uh, sometimes, as we've seen a number of times, is that you do need to take profits at some point because, especially in the resource sector, nothing just goes straight up to the moon forever. So, hey, Brian, it's an interesting topic here. I think we all would just like to see more bull markets in the resource sector, but even for how tough it's been for a number of companies, there have been some bright lights out there. Now we're just all wondering kind of what that next bull market is going to be and just how much longer even uranium is going to run for. Brian, thanks for your time. Always interesting chatting with you. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks for having me.